Hello, hello. Hello. Is that right or is that? Oh, make sure. Hold on. Can you hear Yes. Okay. That should be the correct microphone. Can you hear us? There we go. We we can hear you. Hold on. Oh, just kidding. Nope. That was the wrong. There we go. Guys, we're really smart. I do this. Literally do this professionally. We we've only been had a year to do Zoom to figure it out. <laughs> Still can't do it. From Atlanta, where we don't know what's in Korean barbecue and we don't care. It's the Whole World Improv Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell and a man who thinks WAP stands for Wideband Audio Processing. Oh, John, John, John. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to, have to be the one to tell you this, but uh, it actually stands for wet-ass penne pasta, like the macaroni. Like, that's why they talk about macaroni in the pot. That's all it is. That, that's, uh, that's it. Macaroni, but in penne form. Pretty sure that's, that's all it is. Somebody must have added too much water. I hate when that happens and it doesn't absorb all the way. I, that's exactly what it's about. I don't know why they, that's a mainstream song, but it is. All right, so welcome to the Whole World Improv Podcast. I'm Chip Powell, Artistic Director, and I'm here with my co-producer, John Mahalik. John, what's going on? Hey, Chip. It's been great. We've launched and it's going well. I'm happy about it, and I'm excited about our guest today. As yeah. we continue with the gritty origin story of Whole World. Yes. <laughs> today, we're very excited to have Anna Vecino and Lauren Tarquinio joining us all the way from California. Hey, guys, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thanks for having us. We're so excited. It's been so great because John's only been, how long have you been with us? (laughs) Including time as a student. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. That counts. It does count. And let me tell you, he's learned a whole lot of things that I never thought he would learn uh, over the last interviews. And so we're excited to see what you can share with us. So I'm going to start with you, Lauren. Lauren, kind of tell us about your journey of finding Whole World and participating. Uh, sure. So we're going, we're probably hearkening back to 1996, which man, that's a long time ago. At the time I was at the Alliance Theater doing an internship, an acting internship there. And we had heard about Whole World through Jennifer Horn, who was a previous intern at the Alliance. And so we had a connection there. So we knew of it and they were just sort of getting started. It was like maybe one show a week at that point or like a Thursday night. It was in the black box space where I think you guys still are now. This is post dad's garage area. So we knew that like kind of whole world was like this up and coming place. They were doing some groundbreaking improv. It was kind of exciting. We had seen a few shows there at the time. And then I jumped into a play there. I did bitches. That was my first kind of way into, into whole world. And then at that point, I finished up my internship. And at the time, bitches was going on. Whole world was doing their weekly improv show, which was getting some traction and people kind of heard about it. It was this kind of an underground thing and there was a lot of cool stuff going on. And then after that, I was like, I want to jump in. I, I want to kind of see what that's about. I really want to like, see if I can like, uh, I've done some improv before, but I wanted to like, oh, Whole World's kind of the place to be if you really want to like do those kind of like really fun shows. And so I jumped into an ongoing class that was already happening with Webster who was teaching it. I just jumped into it. I don't remember. I'd be, I just was in class one day and we finished the one class that I took. And then next thing I know, I did a Thursday show. It was all kind of like, I just all happened kind of so fast and he randomly. He jumped the line. I did jump the line a little bit. I don't quite, not quite sure how. And I think this was Chip maybe like right before you came. Fall of 96-ish, I want to yeah. say. 
I was in and out a lot, I, especially at the beginning, because I was doing an intern at 14th Street Playhouse because I took classes at Elizabeth Street and I was taking classes. Oh, that's pretty I early. Say, I remember yeah, Chip I was from taking Elizabeth classes Street. with Webster. And then I did the internship when I helped cook at Louis Pool Hall. I went in. That's right. Oh, wow. When they were doing Pimps, Queens, and Dope Fiends, and the girls were doing Crimes of the Heart, and Webster was in the kitchen as a vegetarian trying to cook chicken, and I was like, you can't serve that chicken. That's raw. No, 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 no. <laughs> so we had to put it back in the <laughs> oven. So the play was almost over before people got the meal, but they still got the meal. <laughs> And then I finished my internship at 14th Street Playhouse and then came over. Okay. You had a lot of that stuff predates me. I was when you guys were in the black box doing, I think at the time it was just one Thursday show. You can, you guys can verify. We were doing plays. Because we were doing other shows Friday and Saturday. We still have the original poster somewhere in this house. I should go get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. You talk. And um, (laughs) that was like, I just knew that like these, the shows the whole world was doing at the time, it was just really cool. Everybody was really funny. The audiences were just loving it. And it was kind of like a really great time because it was before any kind of like TV stuff or TV talk was happening. It was just kind of purest improv. Like it was a black box. There wasn't even much of a set. Now you guys had this big elaborate set. We had a black box and a chair. And then that was awesome. And here it is. That's what I look like now. A one seven play. Is still bucks. the phone number? Yep. But now you have to put four hundred four in front of it. Yes, you do. For those of us listening on the podcast, we'll include a graphic. Oh yes, it, <laughs> on it, the it, it is. I'm sure a stolen. We did not pay for the rights to this picture of Albert Einstein with I'm the sure stickiest tongue out. Um, I don't think we pay for the rights of much of anything except for maybe the plays we were doing. Yeah. At the if time. That. If that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh or definitely not music rights, but uh yeah, and it says improv comedy, it's our original logo with the man standing on top of the world. There's a little cafe in the front, not on the side, because it was all one shotgun kind of yeah. space, as I remember. We That's have right. a uh, a history wall with the pictures of all of our cast photos and stuff, and that Albert Einstein posters in the middle of the of the wall out in the cafe so people right. can enjoy the history of whole world it makes and me happy every time i look at it whole world improv theater does not condone or endorse breaking stealing likenesses right law and yeah. we're actually almost sure that that's actually public domain so while we investigate that please stop your hate mail no, <laughs> no don't write us the cards and letters the, we the don't einstein foundation please <laughs> Don't you have enough life. money. Leave yeah. us alone. <laughs> yeah. So Anna, I recall several of the plays that you did with us, you know, when we were starting, but what was your journey to finding whole world? Well, I was attending Emory University as an undergrad and I was there from 91 to 95. And so about 93, I think it was the fall of 93, a guy who was the head of my collegiate improv troupe, Rathskeller, which is one of the oldest collegiate improv troops that yeah. I just happened to audition as a freshman and get in. And I, it was funny because I, I always make a joke about how like I saw like the one thing at orientation. I was like, I want to do that. And not only do I want to do that, I want to do that professionally. Like I just was like, I want to do improv, the least profitable form of acting. The least amount of work. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. And so I got into Rathskeller. And a guy, Dave Hayes, who was a year ahead of me, was in a corporate improv troupe. Seven Course. Called Seven Course with, Lauren was in it, Jennifer Horn. Well, you weren't in it yet. Jennifer Horn was in it. Uh, Like Tommy, what's his name? Tommy Houseworth was in it. A few people from the Atlanta improv community at the time. So Jennifer 
Dave brought Jennifer in to coach Rathskeller because we had budgets every year for one coach to come in for like two weeks and coach us because or else it was just the blind leading the blind. You know, we did what we could. And then Jennifer brought her boyfriend at the time, David Webster in to lead a seminar. And it was pretty great. I learned a ton. And he came up to me afterwards and he's like, hey, I'm starting this thing here in Atlanta. You should come and be a part of it. And I was like, of course, very flattered to be asked, but I was like, I don't have time. I'm a student. And it was the workload memory was crazy. And I did go and take some seminars and they were pretty great. And that's kind of when I started meeting Michael Snow. I know I met Chip at that point. I met Lance. We're like the, ori- at that Emily. Point, the originals, like who was it? it? All the people that I'm naming. Ron was there. Wes? No, Wes. I don't think Wes was there yet, but he wasn't too long after. But there was, I'm talking about like we did seminars in some random space in like Decatur or something. I don't even remember where we were, but he, he Webster's just teaching seminars. And then I guess after teaching, Lauren Leifer was there who now goes by Simone Leifer, Jenny Andrews, of course, and Jim and Lance, Michael Snow, I said. Phil was later. Phil might've been a little later, but it was basically then Webster kind of started plucking people to start doing improv shows. And then what he started doing was that show in Elizabeth street that I can't remember the name of it with the crate, with the fairies and the rocks and the craziness. What was that? It was called something. Michael Snow was in it. I know Michael Snow is in it. Um, it was like called the other world or something, something like that. Something, something nutty. Is he on acid? Yeah. Because <laughs> they painted the wall. Yeah. Elizabeth that whole thing. And it was like. It was what? a whole thing. But that's when I was really busy with my junior year in college. And then I basically started right after that. That summer, I got really cranking with everything and, and started doing shows. We were doing shows at Eddie's Attic. We were doing all sorts of experimental mm-hmm. things. His friend Andy played guitar and sang in the middle of scene. Like it was all very woo woo. You know, we experimented with a lot of long form stuff we hadn't quite settled on the short form that we had yeah by the time you guys had got to the black box by 96 96, you kind of settled on that short form in the black box space that was i mean they had it down and it was really it was awesome yeah yeah well and going out outside like we would go downtown and just do a show somewhere random and or in the park or in his little favorite sanctuary that was down Ponce de Leon I mean we and we would also do classes out there uh it was really fun when we got to this space and started doing plays and we would dress up in our characters outfits and do what I call the fire drill at Ansley Mall like at uh, Piedmont and Monroe where we would run out and ask for money oh the, <laughs> oh, the, 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 road, ro- the road, road blocking, blocking. yeah yeah, yeah. We're, and, and we would ask for money and then <laughs> I can't even say it. Yeah, we did it. We did ask for money on the, on the side of the road from people driving by. I mean, hey, it's the purest form of fundraising. You know, just get out and hit people in their cars. Why not? The bravery that I learned from everything that we did at Whole World has served me for literally the rest of my life. And one thing that I was always afraid to do was stand up until about six years ago. And then I realized, I was like, oh, this is being by myself on stage with everybody looking at me is nothing compared to the crazy shit that we did. Yeah, we still roadblock. It works. <laughs> yeah. That's how we bought this house. Okay, we know the term roadblock, but explain how a roadblock works. It would, it would, you'd form a human roadblock of improv performers <laughs> and don't get out of the way until they give you money. This is in the street. The game is. The, the, the intersection, basically, like one of those intersections, and then the, the cars would stop the intersection. I, you probably did it more than I, I had did. a box. People had a bucket or a box, and they just run out and approach cars and be like, hey, donate to our theater. And then whatever loose change. We didn't or always say donate to our theater. Sometimes we would say donate to other causes. Oh, really? And the money was not used for other causes. It was used to buy smoothies at Smoothie King, which was right across the street from where we were. (laughs) 
roadblock. <laughs> and it's, it's, still it's, still there. There. it's still there. Still there. Good. Good for them. <laughs> you kept them in business. Yeah. Hey there, did you know that Whole World is opening up for live shows again? Yeah. Just as the whole world is opening up for everything. Get it? <laughs> Join us in a safe, socially distant pod for some great improv and lots of laughs. We're still following the CDC guidelines to ensure that everyone has a great time. But honestly, what does the CDC know? If they were really on their game, The Walking Dead would have ended by season two. There's hand sanitizer galore and it's pretty airy. No need to hug or touch anyone. Who wants to do that? So your journey in improv from starting, like what are some of the memories that stick out in your mind of shows? Because everybody has that moment when they were in the show and they were feeling it and you knew it was good. Because I also know that there's a few that, you know, you remember and you're like, oh, I don't want to remember that because that was bad. But tell us a little bit about some of your most memorable moments on stage. At specifically Whole World, right? Sure. <laughs> it would be kind of nice, but we'll I guess it would. To do, I guess it would to make that link, right? Because my years at Dad's Garage, I know. Um, <laughs> gosh, I memorable shows. You know, the funny thing is, is the, the stuff that sticks out are are kind of like the stinker moments. They just they're kind of burned into your mind, and then you look back now and they're like, it's so funny, or it was so fun because like we might have been having a great time on stage, but for whatever reason, it, maybe it just didn't work on that particular scene, or the audience wasn't feeling it. But like we had fun. There's lots of those. Do you remember any like specific moments? I remember a bad moment that you had. I remember all of my bad moments. I replay them still into my head. Isn't it funny you remember the <laughs> bad stuff more than like? There was a lot of great moments where just things were just so fun and you just, you know, recapture that lightning in a bottle, especially with improv. Yeah. It was that feeling of you're only as good as your last show. Oh, yeah. Your last scene. Yeah, yeah your last scene. And it was an amazing amalgamation of it being a pressure cooker, also with all of us being really close with each other mm-hmm. and having that, you know, I mean, that was just such hive a, mind. And that was <laughs> such a great, that's the one you really learn, you know, is when things are going not so great on stage and you, re, you learn fast and yeah, you learn on your feet and you learn and you start developing survival mechanisms on stage. You learn more when stuff isn't going as well. When things are going great, you don't, you know and I mean? There's not a lot of learning going on. Hey, what kind of a survival mechanism for improv? Well, I think for one thing, it's like you really had to kind of like if you uh, if I felt a moment like where I wasn't really feeling it, it forced you to really rely on your partner. Like and I got better at that because a lot of times you're lone wolfy a lot on stage. You think you can just be funny and handle things. But like it really made you focus on like, hey, we're in this together and I kind of need you at this moment. And we developed a lot more of that. And then consequently, we had less of those bad moments. So that was one thing that helped me. I think we all felt the pressure to raise the bar. And I think I take that to my students even to this day is that, you know, you're doing good, but if you could really commit even more, think about how your performance is going to increase in a show. And so it's so weird that our training was so tough. It was hardcore, but it was so much fun. And so I try to still bring that kind of lesson here to the people that we're still teaching after 26 years. Because I remember so many great moments of so many of you guys. And I think one, even one in particular, there was a show I was watching and it was 
Jennifer and Anna on stage and you were mother daughter and you were dress shopping, you had to memorize 10 words each and you had to get all those 10 words out in the scene. Whoa, and I don't even what, remember that. Oh my God. And the way <laughs> I could got, never do that now. My, I do not have the mental capacity to do that anymore. <laughs> oh, trust me. I've knocked it down. Now we play a game called Eight. seven words. Oh, seven, seven <laughs> words. How about a word? How about seven words and you write them down and then you can just look at the <laughs> and paper. You have cue cards. Yeah. But I was like, these women are. You just have to it. say seven words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were so many uh, moments of. I think there were a lot of times when things went really well. I think there was, I learned the, the art of not blaming the audience, you know, like, cause it, there's a tendency to be like, oh, this audience is quiet, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you kind of them. yeah, must be them. And, and you kind of learn like, <laughs> don't ever use that as an excuse. Another thing that we learned early on was like, we really took it from a place of like, really trying to make, come from an acting yes. standpoint. Let's really make the scene real. Don't even try to be funny. Like, just trust that you'll naturally be funny and funny things will arise. Just trust that. But your job right now is to just kind of really make this thing real. Use the acting chops we've been working on that you've developed and just start from that place. And then as opposed to like starting from like, well, what's a funny, what's a funny thing I can do? Or what's a great line? And that's all great. And there's certainly lots of improv out there and people who are brilliant at that. But what we were, our training early on was more from the acting part of it. Being real, yeah. Being real, yeah. really feeling that moment. And even like maybe pausing on stage and both and getting in sync with your partner mm -hmm. to make that, whatever that suggestion was more of a real thing. Grounding it out a bit. You know, I did wind up when UCB came to LA performing there and taking classes and performing there for several years. And what we had was not repeated. By, and I met some wonderful people in LA, but it, number one, the work ethic is completely different. Oh yeah. Number two, the, just obviously the, the chemistry that we all had from being up each other's butts for so many years, so many rehearsals. Again, I come back to the concept of the 10,000 hours when that, when that book came out, that Mal Malcolm Gladwell book came out, I was like, Oh, and I did the math. We did that. Oh, yeah. You know, it could be debated. Maybe we could have spent our time on something else, but I'm glad that we did what we did, you know, because oh, it yeah. trained me in so many different ways. It was a lot different out in LA and what we had was very magical. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. Still experimental, but we're really looking forward to our Ravi Shankar phase. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and minister of Silly Walks is Chip Powell. The producer, writer, editor, and egocentric bastard is John Mihalik. Again, with all the, the credits, John, just all the credits in the world. Just uh, taking credit for everything. That's him. Greedy guy. Greedy, greedy, greedy guy. Original music by The Gentle Readers. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. There's a lot of true crime fans at the theater, and they'd love to be stalked. If Chris Hemsworth is listening to this and he wants to stalk me, <laughs> you're welcome to. I'm just kidding. Your wife is very lovely, and your arms are the size of boulders. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible, so really you're just saving up for those new Air Jordan retro sneakers. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. No, that's not my real name. And John's already rethinking fresh jokes for the credits. Some stand-up comedian he is. Hey, John, why don't you, like, like take more stand-up classes instead of improv classes? It seems like that would be...
benefit you more. I, I kind of want to arm wrestle you. Yeah, my arms resemble a wet-ass penne pasta, and they're just about as strong as one, too. But I think I can still kick your ass, John. Meet me outside a hole in the parking lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Um, we are in the Central Coast. You're, like, yelling. I'm... <laughs> I'm being passionate when I talk about where I live. You, do it. you answer. I'm done. Good night, guys. <laughs> this has been the shortest podcast I've ever I think so. All right.